This podcast is brought to you by our friends at the Nexus Recruitment Group, official Bristol City Football Club short sponsors. There is a company or brand within the group that can assist all recruitment needs across any industry to suit any budget. Head over to nexus-resources.k.uk for more information. It was here at the Dragonara Hotel that eight Bristol City players tore up their contracts to save our football club from extinction. The club was spiralling down the football league and with massive debt it was on the verge of bankruptcy. The highest paid earners, Jimmy Mann, Trevor Tainton, Jeff Merrick, Julian Marshall, David Rogers, Peter Aitken, Chris Garland and Jerry Sweeney all acted selflessly by agreeing to tear up their contracts so we could go on and the club lived to play another match. So, just over 40 years later at the Middlesbrough home game on the 19th of February, please join us in showing your appreciation for these eight magnificent men by taking to your seats for 2.45 and then a minute's applause on the eighth minute. Thanks so much for your support and come on you Reds! Hello and welcome to Three Peeps in a Podcast, the bonus show. It's Groundhog Day for City fans as they record a second 3-1 away defeat in a week. This one was away a very damp Swansea after taking the lead. A game ruined by a second half in which our defensive misgivings were once again a problem and a referee who just wouldn't let the game flow. The one time he does let the game flow, it should have probably been a penalty, our second penalty of the season. Uh, Matt is with me as always. We travelled across to Wales this morning together. Matt, how are you feeling now? Uh, just about dry day. Um, <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah, because it was pretty horrendous, wasn't it? But yeah, um, um, I'm kind of writing the Bristol Live fans column in. I just I just don't know how I feel really because there were some good moments in that first half and we've listened to Nigel Pearson on the way back in the car and I agree a lot of what he says but then it also worries me with what he says. So I'm I'm... Yeah, I don't know, mate. I honestly don't know. I just feel like one week I think positive and great. I can start to see it. And then the next couple of weeks, the only the benefit today, the difference with Blackpool is that I didn't have to travel 200 odd miles to come in, did I? So, and I had you for company. So it was all, you know. That's that's a very lovely thing to say. Thank you so much for that. Pleasure. But that just Uh, goes to show how bad it is. <laughs> Brilliant, love it, love it. Okay, you mentioned Bristol Live there, Matt, where you are yes. the, the fan columnist, and we've got uh, Bristol Live's Richard Forrester with us. Richard, how are you? Um, very well, thanks. I think I'm slightly better than Matt, but I'm, uh, <laughs> it's been a long old day, that's for sure. And the um, half an hour walk back to the train station after the after the game was oh. like a lifetime, to be honest with you. Yeah, but yeah I'm back, I'm dry, and I'm a little bit happier than I was a few, couple of hours ago. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Um, so we, we've had uh, Gregor McGregor on in the past, and we've had James Percy on. Um, and when James came on, he was talking about uh, the position which you have now filled. So uh, congratulations on the role. Um, you. So you've had a few brushes with Nigel Pearson. Um, one uh, this couple of days ago, uh, which was an interesting watch. How, how are you finding it so far? Wow, you're in the press conference, so the post-match press conference today. Yeah, that was um, that was a bit of an eye opener, to be honest. It's it's been great. I actually find I mean, Nigel a, a really interesting person. I, I like him. He's he's he keeps you on your toes. Um, it's it's been great. It's been great. It's been interesting to follow the team. Um, obviously before, like uh, I'm I'm not going to um 
um, beat around the bush and say I, I followed Bristol all that closely before the job because it's not true. But since I've, I've come into the to the role, it's yeah, it's been really interesting to kind of get the fans uh, fans views and things and and the, kind of the culture around the club and and yeah, to, to do with Nigel Pearson is it's it's interesting in itself, interesting in a good way. Tell us a bit about yourself. Then uh, where where are you from? Do you have a club? Yeah, I'm, I'm, well, I'm originally from Birmingham, and my club is Stoke. So uh, I think the, the the stature of of Stoke and Bristol City are pretty similar, similar size stadiums, and uh, yeah, kind of a very passionate fan base. Um, and obviously now I'm, I follow Bristol City a lot more closely than I do Stoke at the moment. So mm. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of living, eating, and breathing Bristol City at the moment. No, oh, the obvious link there is Benek Afobe, who um, only played a handful of games for Bristol City, and it was his birthday the other day. And I put a little happy birthday message on from the Three Peeps Twitter. And, uh, you know, I used a message, something along the lines of uh, a player who will always be in the hearts of every Bristol City fan. And, you know, from what he went through when he was at the club and how he reacted when he scored against us for Millwall. Uh, what a guy. What a guy yeah. he is. It is, it is a great, and it never worked out for him at Stoke at all, whether it's the formation, it was all a bit of turmoil when he came to the club anyway, when a lot changed. But I actually had a game of FIFA with him um, about, I'd say, I don't know, probably about six or seven years ago now. And he's such a nice bloke, really, really nice bloke. And uh, yeah, what, what he's been through and for him to come out the other end is, you know, it's just full credit to him, really. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Okay, um, one final plug in the admin section, Matt, for for Red Lion at the Bristol Old Vic. You saw yep. it uh, last week, and I saw it on Friday night. And I have to say, it was as you know as great as you build it to be. Um, acting from all three, David Lloyd, Tom McGee, and obviously Joe Sims uh, was fantastic. So I think that runs for another week. So please do try and get along uh, and see that. And we've played an advert at the start of the podcast uh, today and the last two podcasts um, promoting next Saturday, which is the Ashton Gate 8 celebration at Ashton Gate with some instructions. So please do listen to that if you haven't done so. Um, and that is voiced by David Lloyd and Joe Sims. So a big thanks to both of those for doing that um matt starting lineup unchanged there was a bit of a doubt around han noah masengo but uh he he came through um and it seemed as though there was a bit of an arrangement in place where he would play a certain amount of time and then joe williams would come on that's how how i read it but that starting lineup no big surprises for you no i think it was just that wasn't it i think um following the the pre-match um, press conference, I think Nigel Pearson gave an indication that Joe Williams probably wouldn't start. Um, talking about him sort of not being able to play three games in a week, which I don't necessarily think it would have been three games in a week because obviously it was only half the game at, um, at Blackpool. But yeah, no surprise. It was just whether Han Noah was going to be fit or not, wouldn't it? So yeah. yeah. Okay. And Rich, for you, uh, no, no massive surprises, was there? No, I think you usually summed up pretty perfectly, to be honest. Actually, I think Masengo was always bound to start if there was a possibility and they didn't see any kind of signs of, of his hip injury at all. But yes, as soon as the hour mark came, he was off for Joe Williams. So no, no real surprises for me at all. Yeah, excellent. Um, so on the start of every podcast, we've got Lee's three words and League Two Defending were his three words of choice. Um, so big thanks to Lee for that. Right, let's get into the game. Um, on the 10th minute, Pring plays out after great battling. Martin sets Vyman away 
who wins a throw-in, and the subsequent corner is almost headed in by Semenyo. So, Matt, first 10 minutes, that was the main main action. It was a quiet sort of uh, finding each other out a little bit in the first nine minutes, but 10th minute, it was a long throw-in from from uh, from Callas. Um, but, yeah, there was, a, there was a chance for Semenyo early doors. Yeah, um, we, we knew Swansea were going to have plenty of the ball. I think they've probably got one of the best players in the league in midfield in Matt Grimes. Um, gets on the ball and, and just threads little 10, 15 yard passes sort of through the middle. So you've always got to be alive to it. But, you know, we, we were we were well in the game. It was quite a nice sort of start, wasn't it? Um, the fans were in good voice. Uh, you have to say that it always amazes me with an all-ticket sort of game like that, the amount of fans that stand in the the stairwells and you kind of wonder for the health and safety. But, um, yeah, no, it was, a, it was a, a bright start game. And we do start games... Taking Blackpool out of the equation, we do start games fairly well, don't we, this season? So yeah, yeah, you know, good point on the on the the standing. You know, it's when it's an all a sold out affair. The problem is when you go away, no one sits in their proper seats. So it's an ex- it's going to happen, isn't it? When people sort of pile in late. Well, it isn't it. I mean, it's funny. We we got to our seats, didn't we? And um, there were a couple of blokes sat in there, and one guy sort of said, "Oh, are these your seats?" And we said, "Yeah." And he said, "Oh, bad luck then." I said, "Yeah, not for me." <laughs> So he did then move. But yeah, I just find it, it's frustrating. There were lots of fans there that obviously didn't then get the best of you, didn't have a company, you know, they were standing the whole game. Um, so you do have to kind of question that really, you know, what, why they don't just make people sit in their seats. Okay. 14th minute, Scott plays Viner into an advanced position and it's an opportunity that's wasted. Uh, Swansea then break with a great through ball and Callas steams in and wins the ball fairly, uh, which I always like to see. But the player goes down and the ref stops the game, Rich, which I'm not sure what the rules are now, but uh, I thought it was a head injury or something like that. But that's one that always annoys me. Yeah, I don't really know what why, why the referee stopped it, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, going back to that opening kind of 15 minutes, it was very... A bit of a topsy-turvy start for, for both teams, to be honest. You could see what Swansea were, were definitely trying to do there. They're very much possession-based and they were building out the back. And it was quite interesting to watch, you know, the City's um, three attackers really try and close them down in defence. And um, I'm sure we'll talk about it later. They've got the rewards a bit later on in the half. But, um, yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was two teams that I think have kind of struggled with confidence a little bit. Um, especially especially Swansea, they've been an underachiever this season. So, I think... Um, Swansea kind of improved as 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 the kind of the half went on, I think, and um, I think Scott and Masengo in particular kind of struggled to uh, to get really get hold of the ball in the opening fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Matt, any view from you on that with the ref with the referee stopping the game for that? So, same as you said, I think you know head injuries you get. It, it's Keith Stroud who you know we've um, we've had our run-ins over the years with Keith Stroud. I don't mean me and you personally. I meant the <laughs> club, but. Um, but actually, I've, I think the last couple of times he's refereed us, I think he's been pretty good, actually. Yeah. And he's allowed it to flow. He's not got his cards out very much. I think even the last game, I don't think he even booked a single player. But today he was back to the Keith Stroud of old. And yeah, just a very, very strange decision, that one, because there wasn't it wasn't a head injury. So why stop the game? Okay, 20th minute, two successive headed clearances from Martin, um, one from a cross and one from a corner. And uh, Rich, I don't know if you're sure if you're aware of last season uh, when we had Fami from our Ajiju, but he was so important for us um, in those situations. And Chris Martin stepped into that because that's what one of the things I was kind of worried about when he left was not only his presence up top and his goals, 
but also the, the defensively. Um, and Martin seems to be equal to that. Yeah, and I think that's why he's, he's getting such a, a strong run in the team at the moment. I mean, we've talked about the, the, the set pieces so often, um, especially in the last few weeks and, and the weaknesses of it. But to have Martin in there is pretty crucial at the moment. And as you said, he was he was he was handy for the for those opening crosses, getting there. these on the front post. Yeah, this this I don't think there's much of a, a better man for him to be honest to de- to defend those. He just hope he can knock a few in on the other end when the corners come in. To be honest, yeah, absolutely. That's one thing we need to do more of is is make make our uh, our set pieces count. Um, Matt, twenty fifth minute. Uh, it was Vyman to Semenyo, a, a well weighted pass to Martin. Um, and a right foot shot is just tipped over the bar. So uh, that was a bit of a sighter for Martin there. Yeah, it was. He had to kind of dig it out a little bit, didn't he? And the keeper, I mean, it was a it was a comfortable save um, that he made. He was just a little bit unfortunate. He, he kind of caught it, not too well, but just too much on it that allowed the keeper to get the, you know, it was the height for him to be able to push it over quite comfortably, wasn't it? But it was a decent move and a, and a decent strike from Martin. Yeah. Um, who I, I did think worked really, really hard today. And, you, you know, you're right to call out the defensive side of things because there were a couple of really, really good headers. But I, th- I thought he, he, you know, he, he did work hard today. Yeah. 30th minute, Jada Silva, contact made in the box, no penalty. Um, it goes back to Viner, puts a cross in. It's clear to Scott, who bends one left-footed, but that one's a few foot wide. So an early shout, um, and again, another early sighter for Alex Scott, you could see was just trying to get enough whip on it to bend it in, Rich, but uh, unfortunately, no joy. Yeah, going back to that penalty, it was I don't know where if you could see where where from where you, where you were sitting, um, but Pearson was absolutely raging with it, with the decision not to award the penalty. He went straight over to the fourth official and he yeah, said a few choice words, which I probably won't say say live on air. But um, something about getting his heels kicked. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I watched the highlights again, but unfortunately I couldn't see it. So, but from where I was sitting, it would have, I felt like it would have been a soft one, to be honest. Um but maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah, we were at the ones. we were at the other end, so again, it was uh, not great vision for us. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's like one one that one penalty that we that we've had that I can't even remember to be honest. I think it was Chris Martin, wasn't it, who, who scored it? But um, yeah, away at golf, yeah, away at yeah. I don't seem to be getting many. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's good to see Alex Scott. He's got his eye. He's got an eye for goal. I think he's on five goals already this this season, and and continuing to try and to add more goals, Rich. Yeah, that was a good effort as well. I think he he, I think it was it Blackpool when he missed that bit of a sitter um, a couple of weeks ago when he was in on goal and he cut on his right foot and he just kind of tripled it into the keeper. Um, so it's 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 good for him to get to to be able to get forward and kind of contribute an attack. I think so so heavily reliant on on Semenya and and Vyman and, and Martin at the moment to to make the difference that uh, you know any any sort of contribution by by Scott and Masinga if they can get forward is only going to be only going to be beneficial. And that that effort with his left foot, I couldn't see it from the angle what was that, but I mean it, it looked pretty close. Yeah, we were right in line with that, and it was bending, but but never never gonna never gonna go in. No. Um, 31st minute, Vyman chases down the keeper, uh, rebounds to Pring, who can't quite get enough on his shot. Um, and I think Vyman is actually offside anyway. But uh, just after that, another Vyman powerful right foot shot bends wide. That was well well drilled, that one, Matt, wasn't it? Always going wide, but he caught it well. Yeah, yeah, he did. And, and the one before, I thought, with, um, with Cam, I just wondered if he could have taken it first time because the keeper was out of position. 
um, again, first, first view, and I'm saying to you, oh, why didn't he go first time? If yeah. I look back at it now in the highlights, I'd probably think, well, because he had no chance of doing that. You're well, it, did, it came to Prim really quickly, didn't it? Yeah, um, it did. Yeah, it did. Yeah. And yeah, it was, um, it was, it, yeah, as you say, it looked like an opportunity at the time, but unfortunately not. Um, 35th minute, Max comes out to punch a Patterson corner and gets hardly anything on it. It was, um, it was, we've, we've been saying on the podcast for a few weeks now, Matt, that we want, Max to come out and command his area a bit more. And he 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 kind of did that, but then didn't quite make the connection that we expect on the punch. It was a bit of a sort of back of the glove kind of punch, wasn't it? Rather than um the the full fist that you'd expect. Certainly I thought against Reading on Wednesday night, he was much more um coming for crosses, coming to sort of more into the six-yard box. And there was one just after it that he punched. Um that I thought he did quite well on, and I think I think it's quite difficult with Max because he's he's not the the sort of the broadest of goalkeepers, is he? So when you've got players of the likes of um, a Buffemi and some of the centre ass that the the Swans have got, um, it's quite difficult to get through that crowded area, and it always amazes me when we concede a corner, our goalkeeper seems to have five and six players around him, and yet the opposition. And it happened again today where the keeper was able to come and cl- catch the ball with no one anywhere near him. And you're like, I don't I don't get what we're working on from those set pieces. And, and I've questioned it before. I, I do wonder about our set pieces. You know, you, you said about we don't seem to score many goals from it. I think we're the, the Man United of the set piece in the championship. But we don't. We don't particularly look threatening. Um, it doesn't tend to lead to anything. But yeah, in fairness, I, th- I thought Max did quite well today from, from that point of view. Yeah, as Rich, Rich, as someone sort of coming in this year, what's your take on the on the Dan Bentley, Max O'Leary? Because we we've been calling for Max O'Leary to get an opportunity, and you know when when we got knocked out of the Carabao Cup early doors, and then straight out of the uh, the FA Cup, obviously he was playing then. But um, we just were, were worried that he wasn't get getting opportunities, and then all of a sudden he's in the team and he's been in the team for the last eight, nine games. Obviously now we know we'll come on to it, but he picks up an injury. But what's your take on the goalkeeper situation at Bristol City? Well, since I've come in, I've only really seen Max, uh, Max O'Leary play. And I have been slightly critical of him um, in, a, in a couple of articles. Um, to be honest, I think it's ones who kind of target him today. The thing about Max O'Leary is he, he never seems to do much wrong, but he never seems to do much right either, to be honest. He never seems to have a, have a bit of a worldy game. He never really yeah. pulls off a worldy save. He made a good one against Reading, in all fairness to him. It was offside, but he didn't know that at the time anyway. Um, but yeah, that missed, missed punch kind of summed him up a little bit so far for me. Um, and, and Swansea targeted him for me. I, I just don't think he really has that physical presence. You know, he doesn't kind of instill confidence in, in the back. So when Dan Bentley came on today, I was quite in, intrigued to see how he'd get on. And uh, obviously, he considered two goals, but he didn't really have much of a chance. But he made a, a, an unbelievable stop. Um, yeah, which again, I'm welcome to. But yeah, but for me, I mean, to, to kind of drop your club captain. Um, is, is a big statement to make and when you're shipping in so many goals sometimes I just think you need to kind of you know eat a bit of humble pie and bring him back in yeah Mac, and, Mac, when was it that Max O'Leary played for us at Villa we're talking like three or four years ago aren't we yeah, yeah. Um, and he was electric and I, I'm surprised oh, was, that Villa didn't try and sign him there and then to be fair it, it, it was one of those games I mean everything 
that he he saved that day. He saved, didn't he? Um, but I've exactly like Richard said. I've been saying it for the last few games, patch, haven't I? That for me with Max, he, he does what you expect. He doesn't save you the points that Dan Bentley saves you. Um, and we're talking about Dan Bentley, who didn't really do anything wrong when he got dropped. And we only know, you know, we're assuming that it's based on what's gone on the pitch. I don't want to get into any kind of, you know, forum rumours or anything like that. But you assume it's on the pitch. I felt it was probably okay to bring Max in when he did, because we, we were conceding goals and Dan didn't look as confident as he had been. But you're also talking about a keeper that, what, 18 months ago, maybe slightly more, Lee Johnson was saying could be in the England squad. He was that kind of good and that close. So for for me now, yes, Max has been injured. I don't know how bad an injury it is, but I would stick with, with Dan Bentley for a little while now, despite him conceding three. And I don't, as Richard, I don't think he could be at fault for any of the, the two goals that he did concede. Straight, um, straight away when Bentz comes goals, on. Sorry. Yeah, straight away when, when Bentz comes on today, you say that's what he does. And it was, you know, from, from Max... You expect uh, fast play out from the back, yep. um, but Dan seemed to sort of slow things down, and well, he, he directed them, didn't he, to go upfield, and he was launching it. Whereas Max does look to play to close, closer. Sorry, I'm going to do that again. To closer or to to the fullbacks, and and Dan Bentley doesn't tend to do that. So there is that balance. But again, as I've said, your goalkeeper's in there because he's your goalkeeper to keep the ball out the net. So, um, yeah, that's Dan- yeah, Dan Bentley comes back in for me. Okay. I think I think you need a, a bit of an authoritative figure in, yeah. in goal between the sticks. And and for me, when Bentley came on, just watching him in that 25 minutes or whatever it was, you could see that he was kind of barking instructions and, and yeah. he, he resumed the role as captain yeah. straight away. And I think when you know when you when you're shipping goals and you're low on confidence at the back, that's that's the sort of character you need in there. And and Patch, when we joined the COVID. Um, situation and we got to go to a couple of the games it was Dan Bentley's voice you could hear wasn't it hmm. um, so yeah I, I think well, well we'll see what what comes but yeah for me we shall see um, 37th minute Semenyo cuts in uh, from the left onto his right foot gets a shot away and for once Rich it, there wasn't a lot of power on it <laughs> oh no and that's why he's been so renowned for isn't it the power they can generate with both feet is pretty incredible, to be honest. Yeah, he didn't really have his shooting boots on today, um, also Menu, but I think it took him about 20 minutes for him to really uh, kind of get into his groove a little bit, and he made a run up right at the left-hand side and, um, yeah, and, and and kind of tease the defenders. And when he's running at his, his defenders, you know, you can you can, you can feel that they're quaking in their boots. There's absolute sheer panic that goes in, in, in that defence. But, yeah, not, not, not his best effort, that one, and, you know, not his... Not his best day either, to be honest. But you know, he's uh, he's, he's got so much credit in the bank that, that yeah, I think you can that. Absolutely, it was the 42nd minute when Semenyo did uh, assist Andy Vyman. He sets Andy Vyman away with a decent pass. Uh, there were shades of uh, shouts of offside, and Rich, you, we'll come to you in a second. You were probably dead in line with that. I've seen the replay, and it's still without the lines on the pitch is inconclusive. But let's say he's onside because he because it was a goal um but credit to Weinman for for taking the ball on holding off the defender and what's changed for me over the last couple of years is that Andy Weinman when he gets into that position you expect him to score Matt don't you and what a finish do you know what having watched it back it's a better finish than well, I top thought corner, it was, wasn't it? than I thought it was during the game but more so the fact that 
he, he had to run across the defender, keep you know the, the ball in front of him with a challenge coming in behind him, and then actually find the shot that he you know he found. Whereas watching it live, I thought he was set kind of well clear, and then really just had to drive it into the top corner. So it was a much better finish. Simple. Having watched it back, yeah, you know, I mean, you would have made it bumping, wouldn't you? But um, yeah, I, I mean, it's what Andy Vyman's doing this season, isn't it? I mean, that's his fifteenth goal. And we often talked about him in the last couple of seasons, how he slashes at it and the ball goes high and wide in. No, it was brilliant. It's good to see. And it, great, a great ball from Semenya. Yeah, I know he's a big um, American football fan, so I like the Super Bowl celebration yes. as well. Yeah. And that's this evening. Um, Rich, so offside or onside, what are you saying? I've, I've got to be honest, my initial reaction is I was expecting to see the flag go up. Yeah, me too. It, it was very, very, very close. Um, I, I, because he kind of moved forward into an offside position then stepped back yeah and then went on his run again and i thought yeah. i think oh, i he just he's just timed it a little bit wrong there but no no i was quite surprised to see the flag stay down and, and yeah i was right behind the finish it was yeah it was a sensational finish it was a, that's a that's a finish with a man with a bit of confidence at the moment 15 absolutely. goals what a return that is yeah, yeah absolutely so the halftime summary came in from rob uh definitely grew as the half wore on as initially it was all a bit incohesive. We seemed to gain heart and belief once we saw our press was starting to rattle them at the back, starting to take more control, building the pressure and deservedly taking the lead with an incisive and well-finished goal. Don't wish to tempt fate too much, <clears throat> but also looked a bit more organised and resilient defending their set pieces. Hopefully not famous last words. Um, Thank, thanks, well, Rob. Well done, Rob. <laughs> good, good, good man. Right, okay. Into the second half. 52nd minute, a dragged shot from Christie and Obafemi nips in front, or was it behind Viner too easily to slot home for 1 1? Um, Matt, you've had a chance to now see the, the goal back. Um, your thoughts on that one? So, initially, um, and, and live during the game, Viner actually steps in and makes a really good challenge. Um, yeah, and it's next. a kind of defensive clearance block that goes to Christie. And he then turns around and he and he clearly talks to Jada Silva and they've they've spotted Martins. And then the pair of them completely switch off from it. And and you know, we'll we'll talk about Nigel Pearson's sort of pre or post-match press conference, but there was one bit he references about desire and it's concentration. And and unfortunately with Zach, it's something that we've said time and time again. Um in particular, that one, you know, he has to know where the, the defender is, or sorry, the attacker is. He has to see the ball out. Um, but it's also some of the concentration in terms of his passing as well was off today. Um, so, yeah, just just a really, really poor goal to concede when we should have just been seeing it behind because it was a rubbish shot from Christie. Um, and, yeah, and then immediately you're then thinking, right, they've got their tails up now. What's it going to be? Yeah, Rich, do you think it was just uh, indecisiveness that Viner thought that De Silva was picking up and vice versa? The ironic thing is I, I mentioned in my verdicts after Reading that the communication between those two in that game was pretty good. And then today, oh, yeah, that, that little passage of play was pretty dreadful, to be honest. They kind of both seemed to, to leave the responsibility to one another. And having watched the, the goal back and kind of seen their positioning for me, I think it's more Viner's fault than it is De Silva's fault. He's 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 watching his man, and then yeah, he just he just seems to be on his um, on his heels a little bit, and yeah, um, yeah and he's and next thing you know, you're blinking an eye, over Femi's in, and, and he scores. But yeah, there was a certainly an element of good fortune about it on Swansea's behalf um, with that scuff shot because that was pretty pretty dreadful to be honest. 
yeah, yeah it, it's summed up really. Yeah, Matt, is there anything in there from Max at all, or was it literally that you know he he couldn't come out and? No, I I, yeah. I think he's he's set for the shot. It's a right. poor shot. Um, and yeah, you know, we, we should be tidying that up all day long. Um, okay. It's just a complete lack of concentration. Yeah, I said at the start about um, Han Noabasenko, um, and he came off on the 60th minute with Joe Williams coming on. I think Nigel said um, in the week that, that Joe Williams couldn't basically start, was what he intimated. Um, so, and Han Noabasenko picked up that injury. So he probably wanted to play a bit of both. But um, yeah, so Masenko comes off, Williams comes on. Uh, 60th minute, Semenyo set away and squares to no one. Um, I've got written here, Matt, and that was when he got put away down the left-hand side and cuts in and you think he might go for goal, but he opts to pass, but doesn't find a man. Yeah, it's the one that you called out saying, um, you know, you've got to be looking for the man and not just playing it into an area sort of thing. And where you and think was, they should be rather than it, where yeah, they are. Yeah, exactly. And it was strange because it, it looked all the world like he was actually doing that, that he was trying to pick someone out. And then it ended up just being a complete, I mean, just terrible pass, wouldn't it? But hmm. <laughs> you, you've seen the last few weeks with him that he would have just taken a shot. You know, he would have hit a pile driver from the... Maybe the angle was too too nice an angle for him. He prefers them with the most <laughs> acute <laughs> acute on the touchline that he can smash in past the keeper at the front post. But yeah, I mean, it was a great great ball into him. It was a good run, but he's got to do better with the cross because um, yeah. it, it was such a good opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 64th minute, Rich, we see uh, Max O'Leary come off and Bentley come on. It was a nasty sort of slide in from the Swansea striker and clearly Max was unsettled by that. He didn't go off straight away, but you could see Bentley getting readied um, and yeah, the substitution comes. But uh, yeah, it's uh, very often, not very often you see a substitution of a goalkeeper, but uh, that one was was an injury um, and we've, we've covered we've covered the goalkeeper debate. Um, 65th minute, Martin shot blocked after a great scale from Jada Silva um, and it was the pass in to Martin from Joe Williams. Uh, it was a nice little nice little flick from De Silva, and that's something that catches the eye and gets the crowd going a little bit. But uh, I think I think Martin did quite well to get away as well and get the shot away. Are, uh, are you referring to the to one where he's in the box and he managed to cut on his left foot and it, and, and it strikes? Because I think he pulled off a nice little bit of skill in, in, in there. Yeah, in yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah Martin yeah, did as well. Yeah, it was a good, it was a, it was a good opportunity there. And... Um, yeah, I think it kind of shows the Silver's qualities that he's got going forward. You know, he's got his, I think he's got his limitations at the back, but you know, he can he can certainly contribute going forward and he, and he did so there. And uh yeah, and another day that goes in for me. Yeah. It opened up a little bit like it was um what was the game, the Cardiff game. He mm. sort of coming across, I'm thinking he's gonna catch this sweet again with his left, but yeah, it got a block in, didn't they? So Yeah. Um sixty seventh minute, I say to Matt, this keeper's got a rick. In him, 68th minute, the Rick from the Swansea goalkeeper after much dilly dallying. I, I was, I couldn't quite believe what I was seeing with the Swansea goalkeeper and playing a one-two from a goal kick. It was quite entertaining, but um, Vyman did on this occasion um, get the block in, but he couldn't quite find the pass to Jada Silva, who would have had an open goal mat if uh, if he'd have managed to find him. Yeah, I mean, it was it was funny, wasn't it, that you were sort of saying it, and we we had talked about it during the game, didn't we? That it felt both with Vyman and Semenu in particular that they seemed to go with the press 
And just at the point where you thought, go on, just put another five years, <laughs> yards of pace in, yeah. you're going to block it as per his goal last season. Um, but yeah, in, in that particular instance, a little bit unlucky with Andy Vyman. He, he, he sort of read it well, and I think the, the defender gets back and it went out for a corner, didn't it? But yeah, you, you, you did call it. And to be fair to Russell Martin, I'm trying to think who... It was the lad they had on last season, Woodman, I think, from, from Newcastle. But they've had mistakes that were being made by the goalkeeper playing out. But he's openly come out and said, that's the way I want to play. And we're going to make mistakes, but we've got to keep doing it. Um, so I don't I don't even think that he didn't seem to be too critical of the goalie when he did that. Um, but yeah, it did, it did look like he had that capability of uh, passing to our players, didn't he? Yeah, and the crowd, our, our, our fans got on his back as well. Yeah. Um, 72nd minute, it was a good block from Alex Scott. It was Semenyo to Vyman, cuts in on his right and the shot is deflected over. Uh, from the corner, it's low from Scott and Martin tries a little backheel goalwards um, and that goes over. But uh, a, a good passage play there for that one minute there, Rich. Yeah, yeah, for the one minute, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it was quite unlucky by Martin. It was, but it was quite encouraging for for him to to, to be getting some chances away. We mentioned the one he blocked a couple of minutes before because he can go such long passages without really threatening the goal. I'm not saying that's that's anything to do with Martin. It's more of the the role that he's playing in that has to has to kind of drop back and and win the ball back, but. And I know we mentioned earlier about his defensive qualities on corner, so it was good to see him get on the end of something. And uh, uh, yeah, it was a, it was unlucky. I can't re- I can't really remember how close it was to going. Uh, it was one of those um, sort of loot shots that could have looped quite easily yeah. under the bar. Yeah. yeah. That we couldn't really see from the angle we were, but uh, yeah, an opportunity nonetheless. Um, 75th minute, I've got Swansea 2 1, Cyrus the virus, uh, cross from the left left-hand side a great save from Bentley but it was a bit of like pinball in the box and the guy that it pinballs back off of seemingly in an offside position Matt but you know he does get the head on it and it does sort of go in um a messy goal but a goal nonetheless um but shades of offside yeah I mean it, it travels a long way doesn't it from um, as we're looking at it, left to right, I think Cam Pring gets caught on his heels a little bit, and and um, I don't know if it was Christie with the first sort of challenge in, but Bentley makes a brilliant save, and one of those saves that we're talking we were talking about earlier on, the, the sort of save that you know, wins you points, um, as it was sadly it didn't because it looped up, um, and yeah, I, I thought it was like a a deflection on, and it did feel at the time that it was offside, but again looking back on it, I'm I'm not so sure. Um, but it just sort of summed up the afternoon, really, because poor, poor ball, the ball gets played and the, the, our right-hand side is such or left as we were looking at it. Mm. And as I say, it go, goes a long way across and we've got to defend better than that. So we go 2-1 down, um, Matt, and so many times we've seen us go a goal up and then sort of rest on our laurels a bit. Did you feel that that was the case in the second half that so far? Well, again, I think your, your bruv said that why do we sit back? And I just felt actually Swansea got more on the front foot and were, were, were driving forward. As I said, I thought Grimes was, was controlling it in the middle of the pitch. Joe Williams didn't have the influence that he did, um, certainly when he came on at Blackpool. Um, he, he looked tired for me today, which probably echoes what Nigel Pearson was saying. Um so I thought it was more about what Swansea were doing than, than necessarily us, us sort of reverting and, and dropping back. 
But when we had the ball on occasions, again, we were sloppy with it. There were a number of times the ball got played out. There was one that was overhit to Jada Silva. There was another one that Zach Viner played through the middle. It was literally a 15, 20-yard pass and was easily intercepted. So we were making problems for ourselves. And that then just allowed Swansea with the possession they were they were having um, to come on to us. So, yeah, I, I didn't think we went defensive. I just think it was more credit to Swansea with the way that they then changed it and started going forward. Do make an attacking substitution on the 78th minute as a result of going 2-1 down with uh, Naki Wells coming on for Camp Ringrich. So it was uh, a bit of a shift of formation and throw Wells up top and see what happens. Yeah, uh, he didn't really have much of a contribution, did he? But I think what's... Most striking for me, and, and it happened today and it's happened in the last few weeks as well, that when that first goal goes in, it's kind of a sense of inevit- inevitability that, you know, the confidence you can just see gets zapped from the, from the from the players. And I think that refers to, to what Matt was saying, but they're, they're, they're dropping back a little bit deeper and uh, they're, they're almost trying to hold out for the um, for the draw or, or, or try not to concede again when really they should be going up the upper end and, you know, trying to get on the front foot. But I just generally think that's a confidence thing. And, uh, I mean, we keep referring back to the Reading game, but when they scored with 15 minutes to go, and that was an absolute barrage of attacks from that. And for me, that was really worrying to see. And you just got the feeling that today, that when that first one went in, it was just going to be a similar story. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and, and it was... We're just yeah. so fragile. We're just so fragile. And when when you've got the likes of international players in Callas and Closer, you don't expect that. You expect them and, and Joe Williams then in the middle. You expect them to be sort of driving them on in, come on, you know, let's get back into it. And it just it just doesn't happen, does it? And you and you know, was it any surprise to any of us really that the second goal went in? And then from that point I, I thought there was more likely to be a third than us getting a, a an equaliser. There was a potential opportunity out in the 80th minute. Semenya gets into the box and tackled. Um, it appears to be a stomp. I haven't seen the replay. I don't know if either of you have. I have. No. So we haven't seen it enough again to make a judgment. But Semenya goes down and he he doesn't. He's not one for the theatrics, and he looked in a lot of pain. So the yeah. chances are that it was a stomp. There, there was uh, definitely something something in it because he was clearly sort of injured and. Um, you know, but it, it it wasn't obvious first time of looking. Now I've listened to a couple of sort of comments um, on the forums where they've watched the replay and said that Jamie Patterson clearly does stand on him. Not, it was not Patterson, was it? Yeah, apparently, yeah, <laughs> not, not necessarily deliberately, but enough that it was. Or, um, they said it was Patterson, but actually I thought it was the centre half. Um, but said that he was sort of stretching, miscontrolled it, and then sort of t- stood on Semenyo, but. Again, Keith Stroud, wouldn't it? He, he didn't seem anywhere near to, to know what was going on. Always frustrates me because the, the assistant ref has got a perfect angle on that. Yeah, I watched him. He gave no indication whatsoever whether it was or it wasn't. Now, if they're mic'd up, he may have said something. Um, I don't know. But certainly the, the, the guys that I've listened to that have watched it back have said they thought it was a definite pen. That's an interesting observation about the, the referee's assistant. Um, because the other referee's assistant... Assistant to the referee. Assistant to the referee. Um, do you remember that? It was in the second half, and neither of them were making a decision as to which yeah. way the throw-in was going to go. And it was almost like Keith Stroud had said to, said to them, I'll make the decisions. You just yeah. stand there, you know, and yeah. flag for offsides. Yeah. Uh, so frustrating when that happens. But any views on the penalty, no penalty, Rich? No, I... I... 
I, I couldn't really see it properly, but from judging by the comments that I've read from after the game, you know, there's quite an overwhelming majority of people who do think it was a penalty. And as you said, Semenya was down for a good couple of minutes in, in, in pain. So, but I mean, Bristol City's penalty record is, is so bad that, you know, who can be surprised that it wasn't given? Yeah. I think the worst in in Europe and over six hundred teams. So I mean, is it really? Yeah, 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 pretty much. Yeah, we'll we'll get one Saturday. Now you watch. Ninety fourth minute. It's three one. Uh, Viner is is nutmegged, um, and Pierrot is through. Finishes well. You have to say, Um, Joe Williams clearly upset at something. Um, I don't know if either of you know what, but he gets booked for his troubles. Um, but it was a good finish and maybe there was something in the build-up. Rich, did you pick up on anything? No, I, I saw the bit of argy-bargy towards the end, but that was on the other side of the pitch. I don't know if that had any any relation to it at all. But no, that goal, I think, um, yeah, I mean, City were just pressing forward at that point. And, uh, and yeah, the, the, it, was, it was a good goal, to, in all fairness to him. The nutmeg and the finish, yeah, sometimes you kind of hold your hands up and say, yeah, fair play. That was a, that was a nice bit of skill, but... Yeah, I think, uh, to be honest, I, I, I couldn't really see Bristol City getting back into the game at that point anyway, to be honest. So it was just a bit of a final final sucker punch. Yeah, absolutely. It just enabled me to say my opening bit about two, three ones in successive weekends. Um, I, just, I just think for me, um, Zach's body shape, to, to be nutmeg like that, we talked about it, didn't we? And, and it, it's it's harsh because he's the player that's nutmegged and they're through. But also, where were, where were the other centre halves? I mean, he, he was the last man coming across. Um, Bentley can do nothing; it's a good finish. But yeah, I just I just question his body shape to to be easily nutmegged like that. And then I've I've read someone say you know he's got to be more physical and take him out. And you're like, what? Well, and get sent off because he's the last man that yeah yeah so. So Matt, that's apparently twenty three points lost now mm. from winning positions this season. Uh, I don't know where that would put us in the league, but if my auntie had what's names, she'd be my uncle. She'd be your uncle, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there we um, go. 23 points on top of what we've got, we would be... Testing his maths uh, now. Yeah, no, I mean, maths, there's no problem. Abacus, there's an abacus right next to you. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, so, so easily, we'd be on 60 points now with 23 points, mate, which would put us second. <laughs> wow. Okay, so a bit of uh, mindset, mentality, stamina, <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, some of those, some of those leads as well. They've been early in games, which yeah, 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 uh, yeah. So it's, it's easy to say, isn't it? Yeah, no point in the stat. Here we go. Right, um, Nigel Pearson after the game. A few comments, which Rich, I'm sure, will embellish on. Um, individually weak defending, not accepting it. Players will be gone. All three goals. We haven't shown the desire to keep the ball out of the net. Can't work on players' hearts. Um, didn't call anyone out specifically, um, but, you know, you have to, as Matt said, um, you know, it's Viner clearly for or De Silva for the first one. Um, but, Rich, you've spoken to him after the game. Anything to add to that? He was not happy in the slightest, to be honest. Um, I kind of got that impression. <laughs> kind of shades of when he was the the, the, the Leicester manager and they were re- bottom of the Premier League and in the, in the video of his press conference, it was pre- pretty similar to that. But it was kind of a, it's a tricky one for Pearson because he, he, he's, he threatens to sound like a bit of a broken record at the moment with the, the way that the goals are going in and, and the crosses that, you know, how, how often can you say the same thing after yeah. matches? And 
as a as a manager who's so renowned for his man management abilities and you know protecting his players today was a bit of an eye opener um, in, in his comments. Um, I think one one in particular was, was was saying that his you know his certain players is is means his job will be on the line if the results go so yeah, badly. He says. Um, when people say, have you worked at that? I say, listen, what you can't do is you can't give players desire. So we might have to make changes because people like me lose my job through results. What I'm not having is I'm not having players who cop out, yeah. which, you know, yeah. yeah. And, and you've got, to, you've got to assume that, you know, it's, it's got to be Viner in particular. You don't really want to call players out, but I mean, there's the, the error for for the first goal, and you could arguably the third one as well in the nutmeg. And you know he's 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 been a bit of a victim of, of a few of those um, this season. So you know I, I, I expect him not to be playing in the next game. I'd be very very surprised if he's there. And you know and that and that poses the question as about what changes does he make because he says now that you know he's he needs changes in his side. Um, but the, the squad's quite threadbare, so. I mean, what, where, where does he go from here? Just on Viner, Matt, we know there's a good player in there. We've seen him play. We've seen him play well, but he just looks a little bit lost on confidence. Yeah, he does. For, for me, and I'm I'm not a coach, well, level level one at under 16s and stuff, I would be in Zach Viner's head saying to him, be physical, be nasty, get in there, get that first challenge in, let the attacker know you're there. Sometimes he's a little bit too nice. 100% his concentration levels just aren't what's needed in the championship. Um, and I don't know whether he's got that. I'd like to think he does, but it's another bit, and it's something that, again, I've I've written about. When Nigel Pearson talks about, and if they're not going to do it, they'll be gone, how are they going to be gone, though? Because Zach Viner signed a contract last season. Now, Zach Viner might be a, a lad who wants to go and play football, like Taylor Moore, but actually still under contract. Taylor Moore's not gone to Hearts, or you know, Zach Viner might not go somewhere, if it is Zach we're talking about. So it's very easy when he talks about they'll be gone, but but exactly where are they going to go? Because he's calling players out, and surely other clubs are going to look at it and think, well, is that the sort of player we want anyway? If you know, if Nigel Pearson's not getting a tune out of him, in so I think there's that, that bit as well where he's got to be a little bit careful. So you know what what I've written is talking about. I like his honesty at times, but sometimes you've got to be a little bit careful what you say because of the impact it can have. And I'm I'm not sure he's getting the best out of what he's got. Um, and certainly when you look at some of what we're doing, some of it, I think, has to be down to coaching as well. It has to be that, you know, Zach can't keep making those same mistakes and um, other players that are, are doing things that are, you know, with Callum O'Dowda, I mean, Callum obviously is now injured, but was still in the team after a run of poor performances. Um, so I think there is a still a shoulder of responsibility for Nigel Pearson and his coaching team. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, for, for me, it was fairly obvious that Zach was, was certainly one of the players that he was talking about. And I would be amazed if he's in the starting lineup next Saturday. Robbie Cundy comes in for me. Yeah. I see what you're saying, Matt, with who else would, would want him, but you know, mm. back until went to Ipswich after that comment. Yeah, true. Yeah, true. And has scored. Um, but, but also you've got the situation where, Backins has gone to Ipswich and it's clear that Nigel Pearson doesn't want him. So that, that surely that gives Ipswich bargaining power when it comes to signing fees and things like that. Do you know what I mean? It's just, mm. I think you, you've also got to look at the, the overall picture. And when you're 38 million in debt, you know, you try and keep players on board. The other thing is we get a couple of injuries. 
you know, Zach Viner might be out of the team, but then has to come back in. Well, if he's if he's being, all right, he wasn't directly called out, but it, again, fairly obvious. I'm pretty sure he would have been called out in the dressing room. Um, yeah, I, I I just wonder. I don't know that it's the right way of going about it, but okay. Um, go on, Rich. I was going to say it, but you know, when Zach Viner was out the team a couple of weeks ago, the goals were still going in, so you can't you can't be made the scapegoat every yeah, week, you know. Absolutely. So then you've got that's the question: is who else is kind of to blame at the back? Um, yeah. Tim Close has done really well since he's come in. Um, Callas, I think, has been off the boil the last couple of weeks, and you know, for all the uh, for all the headers that he makes in the bucks and the strong challenges, and maybe. I don't know. It's, it's it's a really tricky one, but I think you're right. Robbie Cundy is, is you can't they can't do much worse at the moment. They need yeah. to come. In, I well, think. and and we were surprised today. Um, and Patch, I, I, I'm unforgivable. I can't even remember his name now. Hiendi something, um, Duncan, whoever it was, the lad mm-hmm. that we've never even heard of. Um, and that's our ignorance, and not not down to him, but a lad that we've signed from Grimsby in January, I think. Yeah, so um, he was at Grimsby last season, uh, left-footed athletic centre-back or left-back, signed in January um, into the 23s, but now he's sort of been promoted up. George Idion. So does he come into play? Where did I get Duncan from? But <laughs> So does he does he come into the equation? You know, I don't I don't know, but it, it definitely, you'd expect there to be at least one change. But then do we need to change shape again? Are we getting the right shape? You know, today I thought the midfield got overrun in that second half in particular. So, yeah, but it's. This, uh, this is what I kind of wanted to, to ask you guys and what your thoughts were on a potential formation change because for me it is it's it's not really working defensively at the moment. And every time I try to mention it to, sorry, sorry it's Duncan. It's Duncan. Apologies, I've got, yeah, got to tell Matt he's right. Um, it's a good point. We we discussed that as well, Rich, on the way back, um, and whether we do need to go to a, a four at the back or um, a five, even. Um, and I think a few play- a few fans have said that with the personnel available, that the, the three, um, three f- I'm trying to think what our formation is now, Matt, three, four, one, two yeah. um, is, is the best one, but it's shipping a lot of goals. It's, it's possibly the best one in terms of going forward and actually, you know, certainly with the, the three at the top. But defensively, you know, aside from the Reading game, that if if Reading had got a second goal, say today would have been an extension of the record where we've conceded two goals in however many games, and you you cannot keep shipping goals, and it it will get to the stage. I you know you asked me the other night, Pat, if I if I felt we were safe now. I still don't, um, but it would take a hell of a run of poor results from us. If we win one, lose one, win one, lose one. We'll yeah, be fine. yeah. But it would take a hell of a run of poor results and then the likes of Peterborough, Barnsley, Derby, Reading, really, really dramatically improving. So you, you don't necessarily see both of those things happening. But potentially it's another season where we've kind of gone, we've stayed up because thankfully there were three worse teams than us. And that's just a really obvious thing to say because obviously there's always three worse teams than the ones that get relegated. But do you know what I mean? I, I Actually, Derby aren't a worse team than us. It's their points deduction that has caused that. Um, so something has to change. And if personnel, our options are fairly limited. So you you surely have to look at the structure and the formation that you've got. You have to. If we did go to a 4-4-2, let's say, um, you've got Cundy and Callas or, Cund- sorry, Cundy, Callas and uh, Closer as, a, as the two in the middle, two of the three. 
Pring or Jada Silva left back and left midfield, maybe swapping. Um, Viner is right back. Simpson is the other option, but doesn't seem to be anywhere near it. Tanner coming back, not sure when. Any advances on that? No. No. Um, so right back is the issue of going 4-4-2, isn't well, you it? Could, you, you could play Callas there. He played it a lot for Middlesbrough when he was at Middlesbrough. Yeah, and he's and back he, with... he whips the ball in really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't he? But, but if, if you're going to play Cundy and then you've got closer as well, so so that's an option. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, a bit like with the Callum O'Dowda situation, I don't know that I want to play a player in Zach Viner who isn't doing what he needs to be doing because we haven't got an option. You know, you, you could... We're talking about Alex Scott. I don't want to see Alex Scott playing there, but he's he's not really let us down when he's played that wing back role. Um, so yeah, it's I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I'm thankfully I'm not paid to to make those decisions, but um, so, something definitely needs to change because you can't. You're just not going to win games conceding two goals every week. You're just not. Yeah, and that probably sees Alex Scott going into like a right midfield position with yeah. Masengo Williams in the middle. Yeah. Um, of of who's available. You've got maybe James and King possibly coming back into that at some point in the near yeah. future. And then and then if you've only got two up top, this what do you do with Vyman, Semenyo, Martin? It's over only two of those. So we don't want to see Vyman drifted into a, a wide position or into the midfield. So it's uh do you, you, you want to do you want to drop your top scorer or move your top scorer from that point of view? Mm. Do you want Semenyo who's been on fire, championship player of the month? Or do you want Chris Martin, who's, who's arguably, you know, a really potent defender as well as doing what he's doing, holding the yeah. ball up up top? So it is difficult. It is difficult. I appreciate that, but absolutely. Um, I've got my notes. Just to, it was it was uh, terrific to see Corey Smith and Jamie Patterson at the end both applauding the City fans. Obviously, yep. there was the inevitable booing um, through the game for Patterson. Um, but you know, at the end, the vast majority were clapping. Uh, both of them, yeah. uh, two you know players who mean a lot to City fans. So it's great to see those guys. Um, I'm going to read out a few. Uh, actually, Matt, we'll go to go to your ratings. I know Rich has done his, and you've done yours. So it's a clash it, clash of the titans. Yeah, I, I think there will be actually. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I actually, I'm a, I'm a bit worried about it because um, yeah, I think, I think my, mine might be lower, Rich. So right, yeah, I <laughs> say. I'm yeah. going to leave the room. I'll leave you to <laughs> So I say mine, ours, Patch, because you were there as well. I've been doing me, mate. You're on your own here. Yeah. So for Max, we went six because. I didn't, didn't think he was at fault for the goal. Um, I actually thought he did okay. A couple of punches, like we said, although the second one, or the first one, wasn't the, the greatest. Um, went six for Max. Um, Thomas Callas, Tim Close. Um, it was interesting because initially I went, I think, six for one and seven for the other. And then the more I've thought about it, I've kind of gone, but again, they're, they're two centre-halves, experienced centre-halves, who've conceded three goals. And Swansea didn't really pepper us, and not not really because of their sound defending. So actually, the the in the, the cold light of day when I've got home and, and sort of thought about it, I've gone five for both of them. Um, Zach Viner, I've gone four because I did feel that Zach was was certainly culpable for the first, um, partly for the second, and actually for the third. You also said about his pass, his distribution. Yeah, yeah, well. not exactly, yeah. Um, Cam Pring have gone five because I didn't think you know Cam Cam was also a bit you know at fault for the second. Jay De Silva have gone five. Now Jay's always a difficult one because I think going forward 
his control and his quick feet. Um, but what what end product did we really have from that point of view? He's being played out of position, but he's being played. Um, Alex Scott, first 10 minutes, I, I did, I, I, so when Rich was saying it, I didn't think he really showed too much. And then from that point on, I think he really got into it. And, and actually for you, Patch, you, you sort of said he was close to your man of the match, wasn't he? Mm. Um, so I went went seven for Alex, but I know that might be one this up for a bit of debate. Um, Hanno, I thought, was was a, an energy sort of, the display from him, although I didn't think he was in, he was fully fit, so it was six. Andy Vyman was our man of the match in the end with a seven. I thought his tempo and work rate was outstanding today. I mean, it all it always is really to be fair to him, but the goal is well on top of that. And then for Antoine and Chris Martin, I went two sixes. But I think both sort of tried, but didn't really come off, um, which meant a, a kind of team average of five point six four for the game, which. At the end of the game, kind of felt about right. It felt that we expect six when you get beat three one, you know. So yeah, there there are a couple in there. Like I said, I think I think Rich, you yours actually probably scored a bit higher than that. Um, yeah, but yeah, it, for, you know. It's funny you say that the the only one that's up for debate is Alex Scott. It's probably the only one we agreed on. I think. Yeah, um, yeah I, I gave him a seven as well. I think he's yeah. pretty deserved of it. Yeah, quite early in the opening period, but grew into the game. It's, what did what did you give for Callas and Closer? I gave them both sevens, um, which is pretty. Yeah, uh, I think probably a bit generous. I think sometimes with the ratings, I think you need a, a couple of hours afterwards to kind of yeah, skip it over. Yeah, and I, yeah, and and then you can reassess the situation. And uh, today and was it's, one of them. it's funny because coming back, me and Patch were sort of doing them, and then when I've come home and I've put what we've put in there, it was six point something, and we both went, well, yeah, but we've lost three one. We've yeah. had whatever it was, twenty nine percent possession in the second half, and we've conceded three goals. That doesn't feel right. So yeah, um, and then for Nigel, I've gone five. It's it's his team at the end of the day, and they've conceded three goals and lost the game that they were winning. So certainly, it's not what you would expect. Um, but I also you also excuse me then have to say individual mistakes are the difference again. And um, you know. It, it, and there will be a lot of fans, and there are a lot of fans saying he can't be blamed for those individual mistakes. And I get that, but but actually, don't most goals that get conceded come from individual mistakes? And don't most, <laughs> you know, so that that has to come down to the manager and his coaching team, doesn't it? As well, so yeah, yeah. So where are we now, Matt, on the season average? Still the, under six, aren't we? Yeah, five five point eight four. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, hovering around that that expected. Um, performance, but um, yeah. okay. Let's come on to some tweets, and we'll we'll read out a few, and and you can say whether you agree or disagree. Um, so, Dr. Dean Allen, a disappointing defeat in the wettest city in Britain. Uh, the rain in Swansea is as predictable as Bristol City's soft defending, undone again by it by an inability to defend crosses. Another away defeat for a city side that continues to lack any consistency. And obviously, we started the season, Matt, with away away form being something that we hung our hat on, and the home form was the problem. So we've we've gone a full shift. It's strange, isn't it? How it's happened, and and. You know, I, I always laugh, and I, I don't think it was you, Rich. I think it was one of the other um, presses was sort of saying, you know, what what can you do about it, or what what's the reasoning for it, or whatever. And, and Nigel Pearson said, well, if I knew the answer to that, you know, but it's true. I mean, you you can't you can't really understand why it shifts like it did. You know, we weren't winning games at home for God knows how long. Then we've actually had a, a couple of decent results in, 
you know, I think we've been unbeaten at home for a little while, haven't we? Or one defeat or something. But we don't we, we don't look like winning away from home. On, and in the context of the overall game, there are moments. Preston, unf- actually, that's unfair. Preston and Luton, we did look like we, we should win. And we should have won both of those games. But obviously we didn't. But those two aside, I mean, the last two, last weekend, was it last weekend, Blackpool? Yeah. Last weekend and then and then today, yeah, we didn't look like it. So I've, I don't know what the answer is with it, other than, as I say, I think it, it, we need to look at a change in formation because it's well, not you, working. Yeah, if you can find the answer, that'd yep. be good. Uh, Tim Knowles says, another frustrating trip and a soaking walk back to the car as well along by the river. Highlights with the Toby Carvery breakfast on the way and, of course, Andy Vyman strike. Then it's standard soft goals conceded and an annoying ref with decisions that also seem to come with us needing one to go our way. Uh, Bristol Delboy, who was on the pod with us last week, dreadful mindset at the start of the second half, never came out at half time. Uh, we looked second best all over the pitch. Second half, Swansea picked up every first and second ball. The amount of space that Swansea had to run in um, to set up the pass for the second goal was unreal. Um, Jim Patrick, too much time and space given to the opposition around the box. Too many unopposed crosses and a distinct lack of anticipation and desire to win the ball uh, when played into the area. Vinely, Viner sadly continues to be most culpable. Um, Matt, there is a lot of, of comments the same here about that desire to block block crosses. It's, I mean, Rich talked about the Reading game the other night and whilst you kind of thought if it went on for too much longer, we would have conceded. It did feel to me that we were doing all we could to keep out the net. Today, we, we just didn't get close. We, we allowed them to get crosses in. Um, they seemed to attack us at will on both flanks, really, and be able to put the ball in. And it's not something we do to, to opposition sides. So, yeah, we've often talked about it this season. We just don't seem to take that extra... We, I think we said it about Alex Scott, actually. Didn't get close enough to stop that cross coming in. I always remember Lee Johnson would talk about it quite often that, you know, you, you've got to stop that ball coming in the box and then your defending is obviously that much easier. So I, I don't know. Again, for me, it comes back to that concentration desire. Yeah, yeah. I understand the nervousness around diving in to make a ch- tackle, but there's a fine balance between that and jockeying too much yeah. uh, to get that tackle in. Yeah. Um, Paul Tompkins should have been out of sight by half time. Awfully defensive second half. Chris, it was a decent first half in the end, but started the second half by giving the ball away cheaply once we'd won it. Shades of last season there, switching off at the back post twice like we did. It was amateur defending. One step forward, one step back. Uh, Colin Bateman, I can't believe some fans are still blaming Lee Johnson. If players are lacking heart and desire, (laughs) yeah, if players are lacking heart and desire, as Pearson says, that is down to the bloke currently running the team. He has to, he's been in charge a year now. Um, Mickey Red, yet again, we can see too many goals uh, to get anything from a game. I'm in two minds over over the Pearson's comment. I do like the no-nonsense attitude, but he's signed five defenders already. And on paper, most of our defence keepers are decent players. We can't blame Viner for three goals every week. Um, any thoughts on that, Matt? You've sort of said about that. You like his no-nonsense attitude, but there's like a line. <laughs> Excuse me, it's the balance. Mm. Um, you know, it's it, he, he is saying what we are saying in the stands and what we've thought about but I don't know if that's the right thing to do and come out and, you know, we've we've had this season up about players being thrown under the bus and, and what have you. The way I look at it, 
you had, and, and again, apologies for saying what I've written, but you had Middlesbrough and Nottingham Forest below us in the league. Certainly Forest were maybe not so much Middlesbrough. Chris Wilder and Steve Cooper have gone in there and have completely turned it around, both in terms of style of play, performance. Yes, they've now had January and have signed players, but they they were getting that tune beforehand. And that, for me, is the art of man management. It's the art of getting players that weren't doing it under Chris Hewton, Neil Warnock, now doing it under those two managers. So there is something in that. Um, and, it, it, you know, I agree with what Nigel Pearson is saying as well, is that we defend as a team as well. So it isn't just about certain individuals. Um, but, yeah, for, for me... I, I'm as that, that guy said there. I'm I'm in both both camps with that. I can see why he says it. I don't know if it's the right thing to say. Um, and fundamentally, my worry is he keeps talking about the summer and we get rid of lots of players. And that could be players like Naki Wells, Casey Palmer. Um, you know who knows from a Thomas Callas point of view. I absolutely want to make sure we keep him, but you, you don't know. Closer is obviously only on contract then. Where does the money come from to then sign the players that you want? Because financial fair play comes into play. So does that mean we have to then sell the Crown Jewels and a Semenya or a Masengo or a Scott to be able to fund it? And actually, with what we've currently signed under Nigel Pearson, how many of those would you honestly say he's he's on he's in the team sheet? First name down. None of them, really. Now, yes, George Tanner's been injured. Matty James has been injured, Andy King's been injured, Danny Simpson, you know, isn't there. It, it, but it's, I'm not filled with confidence. And, and genuinely, if I'm Steve Lansdowne, I'm looking at it and going, you know, on record, am I, am I going to want to pump another 5, 10, 15, 20 million in with the, the players that we've got in? Am I getting the value for that? So difficult, really difficult. Yeah, it's just, it was obviously um, George Tanner. I think he would, if he's fit, he's in the team. Um, Atkinson started really well, got COVID, hasn't but, come back. Yep. Now he's injured. Yep. Um, yeah, and James to James, you could argue, you know, would yeah, be a starter. Yeah, quality player. Andy King, a fit Andy King, but I, I just don't know that Andy King now being out of the game for as long as he was because of not playing when he was in Belgium, then the injuries he's got. I don't know. Danny Simpson's been an absolute waste of money. Um, it might be, and, and if it's because of the character, and you know, he might be doing stuff coaching wise or whatever, then fine. But he's on a playing contract, and there's nowhere near the first team. So, yeah, um, Mark Carter actually says about Pearson and the fact that his first priority was to make us a solid, make us solid at the back. He's got that in inverted in in speech marks. So I assume that was what he said. Three hundred fifty six, three hundred fifty six days later, they got the third worst defensive record in the division, um, and are in seventeenth place. Uh, Dan Healy could have had a penalty on any other day. Frustrated. Uh, sorry, first half, thought we looked okay. Then after uh, Swansea's equaliser, we fell apart. There's defensively zero organisation throughout the defence. Back to the drawing board for Nigel Pearson and co. Uh, Rob Pickles, very unfortunate through a few de- a few decisions. Tend to look a bit wobbly when playing away and the home crowd gets onto us. Viner, um weak link i try and tell myself every game he will he will improve um and yet to see it um one final one from gar jam 
Um, can you discuss Nigel Pearson's statement about his first job was to make us hard to beat? Has he attempted to do that or is he okay with the defensive uh, shambles we see every week? It's really something I would genuinely like to hear because I feel we are getting worse. I think we kind of just spoke about that. Um, but yeah, the fact that he is uh, a, was a Premier League defender and as was Curtis Fleming, it's it's hard to sort of put your finger on it. I don't know if either of you have got any thoughts on that. No, well, that's the kind of the big talking point in it. They're both defenders, and I think they're coming out in the in the press now. He's he's trying to get a reaction from his players, and whether that has an adverse effect on things, it, it seems to be having it at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, as, as, as I said, if if we knew the solution to it, then we wouldn't be sitting here. We'd be in the <laughs> and. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a tricky one because I think the fans now are, are, are getting very divided over over Pearson and 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 on what kind of direction they're going in and the signings that he has made have, are all injured or, or sidelined at the moment and you know there's, there's a big summer coming up Masengo's future is the one that's going to be talked about the most with a year left on his deal and with the you know the thirty eight million pounds in in, in in debt then you know one of those I think the just to be realistic here and say one of these players is going to have to leave to help balance the books. And the obvious one at this moment is Wasinger because they can't afford to let him leave on a free transfer. Yep. So when they raise, I don't know how much he's, he's worth, 15, 20 million. Going into his last deal, last year, 20 years old. Like, yeah, do you do you trust Pearson with the with that kind of transfer war chest to, to take it to the next level? Well, we could have a bit of a windfall coming from Adam Webster moving on to potentially that Chelsea was linked to. Um, yeah, I saw that today. The last few days, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I don't know the percentages of what the sell-on clauses we've got are, but you'd you'd hope that that was, uh, uh, you know, 10, 20%, who knows? So uh, if he goes for 50 million, then there's some money potentially coming in there rather than having to sell. But who knows what happens in the future, in the summer? As you say, it's a dangerous ground on a, on a few of them, at least. Mm. Um, but uh, that's pretty much it uh, from me. Matt, did you have any uh, bits of admin or any final thoughts? Uh, no, um, well, only in terms of admin, um, just another plea in terms of Saturday and the, the Ashton Gate 8 for, for fans to be in their seats for, for 2.45. For the, don't let the... today's performance put you off coming. No, please. no, absolutely not. No, please, please don't, because actually, and it's a really good point, Patch, but this isn't really about Middlesbrough and three points in the championship is as stupid as that might seem to say. It's not. It is about these eight men. Um, and what they did. So I really, really hope that, that fans who are not sure about it and think, no, do you know what? I'd rather go shopping and, uh, yeah, you know, go down Ikea. I can't think of anything worse. Please don't. Please come down because these men deserve the support. And the amount of work that's gone into the the preparation, the, the pitch parade, um, you know, and, and the honouring of these eight these eight men, it, you know, I, I really, really hope that people will get there. And in particular, the... Uh, the three blocks E30, 31, 32 in the Dolman stand, please. Yeah, make sure you uh, make sure you fill those. Yeah. Um, Rich, thanks so much for, for coming on. Only sort of a few months into your role uh, in at the Bristol Live. Um, 
hopefully you'll have some some exciting football to report on in the near future. <laughs> thanks very much for inviting me. It's, uh, it's been great. Thank you. Pleasure. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Excellent. Good stuff. Okay, that's it for now then. We'll be back on um, Sunday with hopefully a, a very special guest um unconfirmed but uh hopefully a very special guest coming for the sunday podcast um for the middlesbrough game but for now thank you for listening don't forget to uh like and share and subscribe all that good stuff follow us on twitter at 3piapc and yeah we'll be back soon thank you very much take, take, take care everyone guys. take care like rose, the feeling of home warm smiles the crash and burn.